Welcome this morning. Good morning, everybody. You, you feeling all right? Are you feeling all right? Are you sure? My Lord, I'm tired. I'm going to be quick, man. Don't worry. It's not going to be a long, long thing. Half hour, boom, we're done. All right? So it's not going to be long. Um, it's good to see you this morning, man. Good to see everybody. Happy Father's Day to the, to the fathers. I'll just get that, I'll get that out there straight away. Um, I'm going to pray, and then, then we're going to get in it, and, and I'll tell you what we're getting in, all right? So let's, let, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, creator of all things, King of kings, Lord of lords, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, King of the universe, we, we come before you, and we, we're so grateful and so honored, Lord, that, that we who are but dust can come before you. And not only can we come before you, Lord, that we, 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 we can call you Father, Abba Father. We, we have been adopted as your children. And, and, and along with that is the inheritance and, you know what I mean, and the relationship, everything, right here, right now. And we give you thanks, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that, that you would use me, Lord, to communicate your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, despite me, you would use me. I pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word, knowing that your word has the power to salvation, knowing that your word transforms lives, that faith comes from hearing your word. I pray, Lord, that no one here today will leave the same way that they've arrived, Lord, that change will, change will come, change will happen for all of us, Lord. And for some of us in particular, Lord, there needs to be real change. There's someone here today who doesn't know you and they need to be in right relationship with you, and I pray today is the day that that happens, Lord. Open our ears to hear, Lord. Let us hear your word, Lord. Help me, Lord, as you know, I, 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 am, I am not capable to stand up and communicate. I can't even talk the Queen English properly, and I'm not capable to do it. But, Lord, you're using me, and I pray that you would use me today, Lord, as I offer myself as a vessel, Lord. Nothing of me. I can't bring nothing. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity. Please, Lord, speak to us today, Lord, your children, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So what's the name of the book? We've been going through this book for the past few weeks. We've been doing a series. What's the name of that book? No, it's the Bible. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It is the little book of big words. The little book of big words is talking about words that you find in, in, in the Bible, in, in, in Christian um, discussion and, and, and vocabulary. And we, we, you know, we've been going through different, different words. I just want to give you a scripture to begin with. 1 Timothy 4.16. And hear this very carefully, please. Watch your life and doctrine. You know what doctrine means. It means teaching. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We are, we, are to, we are to know doctrine for ourselves. We are to study and we are to understand it for ourselves. We are, we're, we're to watch what people are telling us. If people are preaching and teaching, you need to make sure that you check it and make sure that that is accurate and that is correct and that is right and that is from God. So over the, over the past few weeks, we've heard the following words and what they mean. Justification, adoption, regeneration, propitiation. Imputation, and last week we had Teo, he's, he's, he's my boss, you know. See how humble that brother was? He said, I work at London City Mission. He, he's the, the ministry's director. He's my boss. 
And, and some other people here, he, he, he employs us, you know what I mean? I mean, he came and he spoke to us about sanctification. If you, did, if you weren't here, or if you was here and you didn't really pay attention, I really encourage you to go onto the podcast and listen. You can get all of these messages, they're recorded. I said that, look, I didn't press record. Record. They're recorded. That's all right. They're recorded, so you can listen. It's over there, back up. So you can listen, listen, listen to Teo's message, you know what I mean? And, and the other guys as well. Um, so today we come to a word. The word is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now the dictionary, the Cambridge Dictionary, what does it say about reconciliation? It says a situation in which two people or groups of people become friendly again after they have argued. It took hours of negotiations to bring about a reconciliation between the two sides. The process of making two opposite beliefs, ideas, or situations agree. So we, we, we can have a good understanding of what reconciliation means, of what the word means. And we can consider our personal lives and, and most likely identify where reconciliation has taken place and almost certainly where it needs to take place within our lives. Of course, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to take place. Where a Christian married couple go through problems leading to separation, they separate in the hope of reconciliation. That doesn't mean that, that necessarily that they hope that they're going to reconcile, because there's a reason that they, they've separated, right? One of them may do, one of them may not. Maybe both of them don't. But the fact is there is a hope. There's a hope for reconciliation. They may attend um, counseling or marriage guidance and put in the work leading to forgiveness and reconciliation. Or it might just be one-sided or both of them might be like, I'm, yeah, it done and, and not interested. There's no guarantee, but there is a hope. If the separation leads to divorce, then that hope of reconciliation is reduced to its bare minimal. But guess what? Some people get divorced and then they marry again and they're reconciled. It's only completely dashed is when, when you marry someone else and someone else has got married now. Um, then the only way they're going to get reconciled is if you divorce that person, go back to that one, marry them again. Um, now they're reconciled. But guess what? You then have to divorce them, go back to that one again. So reconciliation. So although people do get divorced, and I can put my hand up, and God forgives a repentant heart, you don't go to hell because you're divorced. You go to hell because you choose to stay in your sin. Broken relationships are, are, are no joke. Don't judge someone because their marriage has broken down. Or even if it's gone as far as divorce. Know that you too come from a broken relationship. You too needed or you need to be reconciled with your heavenly father. Today is Father's Day. I never used to celebrate Father's Day. I've been at this church from day one. And I never, I never, when they say stand up, I used to sit down, I never stand up. People say, go and stand up, you're a dad, you're a dad. And I, I never considered myself a father because I didn't raise, I have two children. Can I be brushed, two baby mother, I don't know the polite way to say that. But I have two children, two, two moms, and, and, and I didn't raise them. I didn't live with them. It, was, it wasn't like I desert them, I don't want nothing to do with them. I stayed in this country for one reason, because I had children. That's the only thing that kept me. But I, I, I never felt like a dad, I wasn't a dad, I wasn't a father to them. I was a failure. That's how I felt. And it wasn't self-pity, I'm, I'm a real person, I felt real. And, and I was just trying to be real with myself. But I got to realize that if you have children and they have your DNA, then you're a father. You are the father, 
So for whatever reason, if you, if you can't be there for them physically as a, as a Christian man, then you must be for them spiritually and you must pray for them. Daily. If it is down to you and your lack of commitment and because you're too busy in yourself that you're not there to look after your children, then that's something you need to deal with. And if you pray and ask God, he will help you deal with it. God can do all things. Even dissolve situations that seem like mad. There's no hope. He can dissolve it. Trust me. I, I know from experience. Since I married Tyle, where is she? She's out in the other room, isn't it? Since I married Tyle, I inherited two wonderful children, Kieran and Kiel. We then had Elliot, and all of you know Elliot because he shouts all the time, Amen! <laughs> so you'll know Elliot. And we're waiting for the birth of our daughter, no name. <laughs> I'm a dad. And I stand up and I hold my head up proud. I, I've been blessed by God with a quiver full of children, six children. My Lord, oh gosh. God has been good to me. Some of you have, have, have had or you have very healthy relationships with your dad. A very loving, nurturing relationship. Your dad's a superhero. We heard about that earlier. That sounds like your dad. Solid and strong. Through thick and thin, he's there. That's beautiful. Some of you this morning, as we know, have lost your dad. Your dad, has, your dad has passed on. Some of you never knew your dad. Some of you did know him and he, he was a tyrant. He was abusive. And in some cases, he was, he was just a waste man. And in some cases, just absent. I, I keep it real, you know. So you have to excuse my terminology because I'm, I'm, I'm ghetto, right? So and I, I try to pretty up a little bit, but I ain't trying to pretty up too much. So I've got to be myself. So sometimes the dad is just absent, not there in your life. And I'm not trying to make you sad this morning. I, I, I actually want to give you hope. I want to give you real, tangible, holy hope. My dad never left physically, but I know it is not to have a dad there. Because my dad broke his back when I was eight years old. Um, started drinking and thing. I'm not going to get into that, but he, he wasn't there. I never had a dad to go and play football. I never had a dad to, to, to build something with me. or Do you know what I mean? None of them things. I, I, I didn't have that. So although my dad was there, he wasn't there in, in that sense. So I, I know what it is. To, to have that absence. And many people, and some of you sitting here today, you have absent fathers, dads who for whatever reason left. Your relationship is not what it should be. So is there hope for reconciliation? What about those whose dads have died? Is, is there hope for reconciliation? Some of you have siblings or relatives or even best friends who did you wrong. Is there hope for reconciliation? Atheists and theists, is there hope for reconciliation? White supremacists and the Pan-African, is there hope for reconciliation? Star Wars and Star Trek, is there hope for reconciliation? Now you think that's a joke. <laughs> it is to me. But let's keep, let's keep this real. There is no earthly hope of reconciliation in many relationships. For some, the fault of reconciliation is an offense after what they did. Then obviously you're not interested. Bun them. I'm standing here today to tell you that in Christ Jesus, there is hope. Even where there seems to be absolutely no hope, God can reconcile. There is even hope in Christ Jesus beyond the grave. I'm not, I'm not going to, I was going to use someone else's example, but I won't. Because I don't ask permission, so I'm going to use my own example. My sister, and I've told you this before, when my sister was dying from cancer, she, she, she hated God, didn't want nothing to do with God, was not interested in God. 
Yeah, I, 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 I had a Bible that belonged to her. So when I was like 16, 17, I was homeless. I used to sleep in a graveyard, but I, I always kept this. So all my possessions, I lost things all over the years. I always kept this Bible because it wasn't mine. It's not like I wanted to read it. And I was always tempted to use the pages to, to build up something with it, but I never did. And I kept it safe. I kept it safe, and I always kept it. And when she was dying, I just knew I had to give it back to her. So when she was dying, I went to her, and I went to give it to her. And as I passed it to her, she goes, oh, I'll take it. I won't read it, but the kids might want it. It dropped. And as it dropped, it opened. And then she picked it up, and she went, oh, oh, I didn't know they believed that. They had her notes on it from when she was young. And, 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 and then she put it down. I don't know if she ever picked it up again, but I have a hope that she picked it up. I have a hope that as she was dying, she would have met with the Lord. You understand? It was a very slow, and she was out of it like for a weekend, and then she's gone. And my hope is that I will be reconciled with my sister in Jesus, literally, when, when we go to the other side. So if you have someone, and you have lost someone, and you have been able to share the gospel, and even if you haven't, maybe someone else has, you don't know what's going on inside someone's heart. There is hope in Christ Jesus. And you can add to that hope by sharing the gospel. It's what we're supposed to do. No matter what their response is, like people that are not interested whatsoever, tell them. It's not your words, you know. It's the living word of God that has the power to salvation. Share the gospel with people. Even if they run you and tell you, I don't know about it. I used to be like that to my mum, you know. I told my mum about a Jessus. I said, you, you, I was a rasta. You wouldn't believe that, would you? I had locks down to my bottom. And I used to go to my mum and tell her about a Jessus. And, and I talked to her about her, Jesus, and then look at me now, praise the Lord. Jesus is my life. If reconciliation is, is, is desired, then pray. And I don't, we don't put enough emphasis on prayer. You need to pray every day. Amen. Pray every day. If there's something you want, you want to see someone say, I, I pray for my big son. My big son is going to, going to prison next week. I pray for my big son. My big son is, is, it shouldn't be alive. He's been stabbed, punched his spleen, beaten with a hammer, broke his eye socket. Another time they trampled him, his lungs collapsed. He's been through it. Through it. He shouldn't be here, but he's still alive. And I pray for him every day. And he knows, of course, why I talk to him. But guess what? He continuously, he phoned me the other day, family, they phoned me, said, oh, guess where I am, Dad? I said, where are you? He said, at church. Because Christians keep meeting him. He keeps bucking up with Christians on the bus and here, there, and everywhere. Because God is sending people to get him. You understand? And I have a hope that my son will be saved. And I hope it's before, before it's too late. I'm hoping and that he gets to change his life and becomes an evangelist. You know what I mean? I'm hope. And I have that hope. And you will meet him one day and he will stand up and he will give you his testimony. And you, and, and you won't believe it. I have that hope. My mom had that hope for me. My mum had that hope for me. I lived my whole life, a gangster life, like hardcore, off the radar. You, I, I had no medical records, nothing. I proper like, stole my records. It's deep. I, I, that's the life I lived, so I was incognito. I had different alias, and I was gone. And then, then this was sound crazy to you, but I became a rasta, and, and I tried to live clean, and I kind of renounced those things, and I was living a clean life, you know what I mean? And through all of that, my mum had, my mom had hope. My mum became a Christian. My mum was praying for me, 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 and God heard her prayers. Pray for people. If you have someone in your life who don't know God, pray. I said to Neil, I'm not going to go off on tangents. I said to you and I started half an hour. <laughs> I lie, may I tell you, sorry. God forgive me. This is, this, is, this is not to confuse reconciliation with reuniting. You might reunite with someone, but it does not necessarily mean that your relationship will be reconciled. Each party may still hold on to their differences. And forgiveness may remain rooted. Reuniting is beautiful and in worldly terms, it's, of, it's of, very often a stepping stone to reconciliation. 
What is so amazing is that although relationship status may never be reconciled, in some cases like divorce, there is hope for reconciliation only found in Jesus that even reconciles worldly enemies. The adjective reconciled is from the verb reconcile, which is from the Latin root word re, meaning again, and conciliare, meaning to make friendly. Again, to make friendly. You cannot reconcile a relationship that should have existed but never did. In those cases, you build a relationship. So what about those who are fatherless? Absent fathers, as in you know them, but they've never been there for you. Pray that God will help you to forgive them and pray for them. If you desire a relationship with them, then pray on a regular and consistent basis. God can turn the heart of Pharaoh. Those of you with fathers who have died or are simply unknown, take comfort and hope in this. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If your father left, then know this for fact. Your heavenly father will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Not only will your, your heavenly father never leave you, he will be there for you right here, right now. John 14, 16 to 18. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God reached out to you in great love when you were at your worst, not your best. Christians, you now have liberty to run freely into your Heavenly Father's arms. Trust in... The father's arms to hold you because his son's arms were spread wide. They were stretched out on the cross. He is the hope for the abandoned, a refuge for the fearful, a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68.5 says just that. God is the father to the fatherless. There is your hope. His name is Jesus. So we see with earthly relationships, there is a hope of reconciliation. Especially for those who pray. We even see reconciliation between enemies as they become one in Christ. A good example is the, the Jews and the Gentiles, for all the theologians and the Bible studiers. The Jews would not, they wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. There was a real, there was segregation on a different level. They were considered dogs. They wouldn't, they wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't go to their house. They went very, very deep. But they were reconciled through Christ. But it, it, it wasn't an instantaneous thing. It took time. When Jesus told his disciples to go and share the gospel to all creation, as it says in Mark 16, they didn't move. They stayed in Jerusalem. It's only when persecution came that they went out to Samaria, etc., like they were supposed to. But even then, they only ever shared with Jews. They didn't go and share the gospel with Gentiles. They shared it with Jews. It was some eight years later that Peter had the vision of the, of the food coming down. We're not going into Acts, but he had a vision and God said to him to go to Cornelius' house, who was, a, who was a Roman centurion, and he was a Gentile. To go to his house, was, you don't do that. 
A Jew doesn't go to a Gentile's house, but he was told to go. And he went, and, and they received the gospel, and they spoke in tongues. And the fact they spoke in tongues, because that's what happened at Passover, the Holy Spirit came down and people spoke in tongues, and that was evidence of the Holy Spirit. This is what happened again for this time, the Gentiles. And the reason this is important, because the Gentiles spoke. So when they went, went and, and, and Peter had taken other Jews with him to witness this. So when they went to Jerusalem, said, we went to the Gentiles. Like, you went with Gentiles? They yeah, but they received the Holy Spirit, because they spoke in tongues. It was evidence for them to say, boy, the Gentiles, God has chosen to pour his Spirit out on Gentiles as well. So who are we to say anything against that? That's very important because some doctrines, some churches will try and teach you that you're only saved if you speak in tongues. And, and that's not the case. I don't speak in tongues. Am I not saved? Am I not filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Know your doctrine. Understand your doctrine. Understand your teaching. Gentiles and Jews were reconciled in Christ. And what's notable about this, what's so big about this is the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. Some of you may be Jewish, but we are the Gentiles. We, we have been reconciled. Do you know what I'm saying? This is, this is massive. We worship and serve a supernatural God, so we should expect supernatural responses to prayer. Where there is no hope in this world, with God there is supernatural hope. And I say it because I know it as a fact, because I've seen it over and over. And I, I know I mustn't go off on tangents, but I've got so many stories where the situation is peak, I tell you one, my son had problems with these, these, these gangsters and they, they, they beat him with a hammer. He, he, how much can I say? We recorded, didn't it? He was going to do something in return, all right, and I was going away. So when I come back, I knew I had to go to these gangsters. And I, mean, I said gangsters, they're part of a firm, they're, they're proper gang. I had to go to them. To, and I've had to do it with the Turks. I had to do it before with other people for him. And I, I, I'm, when I come back, I'm going to have to go to their houses and go and, and, and make peace or whatever way I've got to do it. Do you know what I mean? Not, not gangster thing, but go and do it in a Christian way. And I have to go and deal with it. When I came back, knowing this is what I had to deal with, call my son, right, give me the addresses, I'm going to go. So he don't go and finish things, I'm going to go and deal with it, give me the addresses. And, 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 and it, it got dissolved, the situation. One of them went to prison, one of them killed someone, so he had to head out. It, and the whole thing dissolved, it's completely like, like an impossible situation dissolved. It was not there anymore. And I've seen that over and over and over. We worship and serve a supernatural God. Looking at Genesis chapter 1, we see how God created the earth and everything in it, including man. And the relationship was up close and personal. We read about how God was with man, face to face with man. He walked on earth with Adam. The picture drawn in Genesis is one of harmony, heaven and earth working together. God dwelling amongst his people, but then sin enters the world and, and brings with it division, dissension, death and separation. Man is separated from God. Man runs from God and hides. Then we see man separate from man as Cain kills Abel. Genesis goes on to record when the Tower of Babel, they build the tower. Men wanted to be like God. They wanted to build a tower to make a name for themselves. And, they build a, and then God comes down and scatters them. But doesn't just scatter them. He, he, he gives them different languages. So, they can't, so therefore he separated people, separate from people. People group from people group. All of this mess can only be reconciled by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sin against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, talking of Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you might think to yourself, I'm, I'm good with God. I don't, I, I, my life is good. I don't need reconciliation. I just need reuniting. I don't live a bad life. I try my best to do good for others. Me and God are cool. I just need to work on our relationship. I hold my hand to that. That's not what the Bible says about you and God. Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Paul says in Romans 7 verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Who, who, can, who, can, who can agree with that? How many times you, you want to do good, you want to do the right thing, you want to do it in your life, but... Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I remember once I went to a prayer meeting and a guy was... One of these guys who like to... I'm trying to be polite. One of these guys was there who talked quite a lot. And, and, and he stopped me and he said, I can see your heart, man. You have a good heart. I can see. I said, you're a liar. You're a liar. You can see my heart. We mean you can see my heart. I might have a good heart. That's the, the Bible doesn't say that. He said, my heart is full of wicked and murder and all kind of things. That's what my heart is full of. Know yourself. Be real with yourself. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Religion and self-righteousness cannot justify you before a holy God. Humans are not capable to make themselves right before God. There's nothing you can do. You could practice religion and be the best at it. You know what I mean? You can wear long robes and grow long locks and you can be the, take the vow of Nazareth. You can do whatever you want to do. And this is where reconciliation steps in. Jesus loves and reconciles lost sinners. And do remember this. God did not need reconciling to a man, you know. It was Adam that wrung God hide from God. When man sinned against God by rebelling and eating the fruit, it was God looking for man. Genesis 3.9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God never forsakes man. If he did, you would cease to exist. Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our being. So again, God did not need to be reconciled to a man. Man needed God. God's response was to send his beloved son, Jesus. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you before you was even born, God knew you before your bones were knit together in your mother's womb. God knows your beginning, your middle, your end. God is outside of time. 
He's not within time like we are. He's might, so to, to try, it's very difficult to get your mind around that. But he is outside of time. So he knows everything. You're, all your sins you've done, all you're going to do. And even after knowing him and knowing the truth, the things you're going to continue doing. Yet he still died for you personally. Another translation for shows his love is prove his love. The cross of Calvary is the proof of God's love for us. The obstacle between reconciliation between God and many sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In Ezekiel 18.4, it says, the soul who sins shall die. We've broken God's law and deserve his righteous, holy judgment, which is eternal separation from God, hell fire. In Genesis, God was alongside Adam and Eve face to face. It talks about him walking in the cool of the day. Do you know what I mean? He's walking physically, boom, there. God is far from man. Sin has caused this separation and God is far from man. In Genesis, we get the picture of, 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 of the harmony of God walking with man. And then we, we, we see the separation take place. Consider for a moment heaven. So if you have the heavens, if, so um, is it, was it, who was it now? Paul, that speak about the three heavens. He was taken to the third heaven. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, let's say there's three. I'm not saying it's like I know this. I've never been there. I'm just saying that from what I can understand. So you have heaven in the sky where the birds are and the airplanes fly. And, and, and you know what I mean? Balloon and things like that. So you have, you, have, you have the heavens. And then outside of that, you have the heaven, which is the, the universe and the cosmos and space and the stars. And do, do, you, do you know how big that is? Have you ever watched any YouTube things saying how big the planets are? Earth is one of the smallest, like minute compared to some of these other planets. It's enormous. So therefore, the third heaven would be outside of that, where God dwells. That's far. That's, that's, that's far. But heaven is also closer than you think. So I'm going to play a video to just try and give us an idea um, of what the Bible says about heaven. And then you to, 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 to just to consider the void between us and God, the separation between man and God that requires reconciliation. Is there, is there sound up on the desk? So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world 
apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible was all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on 
how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. We believe the best way to understand... Thank you. I hope that's helpful. Um, and it is something that, you know, people can debate different subjects of it. Would you go, would you die, etc. I have my opinions on it, so I'm not teaching. You know what I mean? But we, we there are things to look into. Um, the fact is we are alienated from God. That is, there's a, there's a void. God was up there, and we are far from him down here. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, that gap no longer exists for those who believe. If by faith, which comes from God, you believe, and if you turn from your sin, then you're saved. We heard from Pastor Ephraim at the family day um, when he spoke about propitiation. That is when Jesus died on the cross, he met the demands of God's holy law. At the beginning of our series, Pastor Robert took us through justification. That is Jesus took on the guilt of our sins on the cross so that we can stand before God in the righteousness of Christ with no guilt. And then Richard told us about regeneration. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus can give us a new heart, a new life, a new creature in Christ. Romans 5.5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Poured. So Jesus has reconciled God and man. He has removed the obstacle of sin. The law has been satisfied, the guilt paid for, and man's heart can be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We were alienated from God. There was a void between us, but Jesus died on the cross, and that gap, that void, does no longer exist between us and God. God is right here, right now, with us. This reconciliation is not a work of man. It's not man's work, but purely God, fully God. Two Corinthians five twenty one. For our sake, he Jesus made it. Well, he God so made him Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When when God forgives us, that does not mean that your sin has no consequence. It doesn't make it okay. Let's forget about it. Jesus took that consequence. I only really understood this, you know, when I started doing the work that we do in schools on, the, on the Operation Forgiveness. When I hear, I hear my wife and, and, and my mother-in-law speaking about forgiving the boys that, that murdered my wife's younger brother. Forgiving. I always felt forgiving means it's cool. If I forgive you, I mean you're cool now. It's all good. It, forgiveness does not mean it's okay. And it doesn't mean there's no consequence. It's not okay and there has to be consequence. Forgiveness means to let go of all of that. There had to be consequence. The fact is, there's consequence for your sin. The, the, the ways of sin is death. There's consequence for your sin. Separation from God, eternal separation. The Bible says that God is good. So when we talk about separation from God, that's, that's good. Anything good, 
You think about that moment in your life that, that when you was anxious. You know, remember that time when everything was on top and you, the most anxious you've ever felt in your life of a certain situation and, and, and you felt like that? That's forever. The absence of God is evil. When God forgives us, it doesn't mean there's no consequence. It doesn't mean that it's okay. Jesus took the consequence on the cross. He took it and he paid it in full for you personally. God loves you that much. Colossians 1, 15 to 23, speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Reconciled all things. Not just people, but all of creation. This work of reconciliation goes beyond reuniting and bringing peace and harmony, beyond reestablishing a right relationship with God, beyond receiving forgiveness for your sins. This reconciliation makes all things right. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I can't help but think of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. When he returns after squandering his inheritance, he returns home. And the dad runs to meet him. When he realizes who he is, he runs to embrace him, to lift him up. And, 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 and not only that, he, he, he puts a robe on him and a ring on his finger and they kill the fat calf and they have a party to celebrate that his son has come back. He, his son deserved to be run. We bet you're coming back around here. You better leave. But his, his dad loved him. Have you been reconciled with God? Do you believe that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected? Do you believe that he will come back again? Do you believe? 
Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been reconciled. We have been reconciled. Ephesians 2 from 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, a new heaven and a new earth, and Father God dwelling with us. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, now is the time. I'm just ask, we just bow our heads, please, and just, just close your eyes if you can close your eyes. If you're here this morning, and, or even if you're listening on the podcast or whatever, and you know that you're not right with God, you know that you need God to reconcile you to himself, then ask him now. Tell God that you believe in Jesus and you, and you desire to turn from your sin. Tell God that you, that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. If from this point in your life you recognize Jesus as Lord, then salvation is yours. Put your hand up this morning. Put your, no one else is looking, so just put your hand up if Jesus is going to be Lord of your life. If salvation is yours today, if you believe in Jesus and you want salvation today, raise your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. If you're already saved but you have issues with another member of Christ's body, a member that he bled and died for, you need to deal with it. There's an ongoing need for reconciliation amongst the body of Christ. That is church members, believers, especially with the local church. So once again, I'm going to ask Bertram, those people that raise their hand. You keep your eyes closed, guys, if, if it's out of respect. Just raise your hands. If you, if you put your hand up and, you, and, you, and you, you do, you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. You're going to be a Christian. You want Jesus to be your king. You desire to not sin. To, you want to be reconciled with God. Just, just put your hand. Put your hand up so, so Bertram can see you. Because at, at the end, Bertram, Bertram myself, and, and, and hopefully Pastor Robert is in the room, or Brother Mikey can have a look, and, and we'll come and speak to you after. Because it's not something you raise your hand, you make that decision, then, then, then something practical has to continue from that. Do you know what I'm saying? For everybody else, you can keep your eyes closed if, if, if you wish. Matthew 5, 23, 24, and I'm speaking really to believers here, and that, that's including you guys who raised your hands. Matthew 5, 23, 24, it says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
that's, that's saying that your gift is worthless. Like, what are we going to do with your gift if there's a problem? Today is the day. Confess it to Jesus. If you are aware, and let's understand that verse in its context. I didn't until I did this study. If you are aware that you have done something to cause someone to have something against you, then confess it to God. Go to that person and make it right. Before the sun goes down today, call them, email them, do what you have to do. Make it right. If you've done something to cause them that whole sink against you, deal with it. If you're carrying feeling towards someone in this church because of something they said, something they did or didn't do, because of jealousy or envy or culture clash or even personality, then confess it to Jesus and look to make peace, to be reconciled with that person. Can I invite the worship team to come up, please? Let's pray. Lord, we, 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 we understand, Lord, that we did nothing to be reconciled with you. We know that no one comes to the Father except who the Father draws to him. So it is not by people's eloquent talk or, or preachers or, you know what I mean? It is by your word, Lord, and your Holy Spirit that draws people. I pray, I pray for the people that put their hands up today. There's about five people that put their hand up today that, that, that say they, they, they want to commit their life. They, 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 they want Jesus to be Lord of their life. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Oh, my goodness. The whole of heaven rejoices, you know. I pray, Lord, for those people, Lord, that this would be the beginning of a new life because they are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. I pray for those of us, Lord, that have issues with other members of church, Lord, particularly within our own fellowship, Lord, that they, they would deal with it. You bled and died for each one of us as individuals. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves, Lord. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Because a lot of the time we hold on to problems with people because we don't know how to deal with it. And we hold on to it to protect ourselves. Yet we need to trust you in these things. Help us, Lord, to trust you. We know, Lord, if a man comes and, and thieves something out of your house, they, they steal something from your house and, and, and you reconcile with them. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean you have to trust them because they thief already. You have to have common sense. But, Lord, we let go of all of that feelings. Lest our hearts wax cold. Let us let, let, let go of the unforgiveness, of the hostility, of the anger, of all these things that we deserve from you. Yet you sent your son to die for us whilst we were still sinners. While we were your enemies. Hostile. Lord, forgive us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if anyone's here today who, 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 who hasn't made that commitment, who feels to themselves that they're not hostile to God, that they're cool with you, I pray, Lord, that your word would convict them otherwise. That they would know that the only way to be cool with God, the creator of all things, is through his son, Jesus, who was perfect and lived a perfect life on this earth and did not sin. So therefore, death had no hold over him. He should not have died yet. He gave his life up. No one took it, but he gave it. He gave his life and he suffered on the cross for our sake, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.